This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Whether your home is overrun by cockroaches, Air Force men dressed in alien costumes, or Jesse the Body Ventura, insurance is more important than ever. That's why this week's sponsor of the Bloom Files is Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. The truth is out there. And here, who knows? Either way, we are opening up the Bloom Files here on Post Show Recaps, an X-Files rewatch slash first watch podcast. Hello, everybody. Mike Bloom here, ready to get into a Darren Morgan science fiction double feature show to very freaky yet very funny episodes of the X-Files in War of the Coprophages. I think I finally figured out how to say it. And Jose Chung's From Outer Space. Of course, if you hear some giggling in your ears, it's not the cockroaches. There's no bug in your ear. It's just my lovely wife and co-host, Angela Bloom. Hi. Hello. I totally forgot why I love this episode and (laughs) remembered, in fact, that I hate bugs. You really hate bugs. Like, I hate bugs. And I know that that's like a lot of, yes, a lot of people hate bugs. But anything that like swarms or like ants, ladybugs, Mm -hmm. like fly, anything that's like multiples of them. Well, with ladybugs, you sort of have personal experience I have some PTSD from living in a farmhouse where I woke up and there were just ladybugs all over me. Nasty, nasty. But yeah, this episode reminded me that I do in fact hate bugs and I if I ever see a like a bug like an ant or anything, I freak out and I immediately have to go take a shower. Yeah, I mean that is completely true. I can say that from firsthand experience. <laughs> I also know you talked about this uh, a little while ago on the podcast how you like sometimes have these like waking I nightmares do. of seeing you know, I you talk do. About cameras on the wall. Sometimes you see bugs crawling. So many bugs. Yeah, I don't know where it comes from, but it's I, like I mean, I might look at this episode. Yeah, maybe. 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 Um, no, because I like this episode because it's funny haha. Yeah, but it's not exactly funny haha when you think about like a bunch, of, a bunch of cockroaches, exactly. Right. And cockroaches are one of those species that like there are if there's one, there's another one. Exactly. And maybe that's the fear. They're traveling packs. Yeah, like with ants. Like if there's one ant, there's gonna be more ants. Yeah, there really aren't any like uh, you know, single independent bugs. Spiders. You know, sp- I have no problem. If you see a spider, no, spiders, yeah. Take it outside. It's I gone. Mean, it's the spiders, done. I guess, true to like the black widow moniker, right? Like they really are like the uh I'm I'm striking out on my own. They're you know, alone. sisters are doing it for themselves. Spiders are doing it for themselves. It's true. So we've got two episodes here of the X Files season three, two 
very different, you know, I, though I would say like similarly toned because they come from the same writer, Darren Morgan. We talked about him back uh, during uh, Clyde Bruckman's final repose. Mm-hmm. I know that it seems like these are going to be the last two episodes that he writes until the reboot in mm. like seasons mm-hmm. 10 and 11. So, I mean, we're sort of giving like a, a fond farewell to someone we have only briefly met a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, and we skipped his other episode, Humbug, but that was... Does that also involve bugs? Sort of. No, it involves like circus <laughs> freaks. <laughs> it involves like the circus, I believe. That's that This one. guy has such odd inspirations. Like I know that War of the Copperphages is going to come from both War of the Worlds and him sort of, I think he looked at like a magazine cover and saw like a robotic bug and thought that might be an interesting idea. I know Jose Chung's from Outer Space uh, came from just this general idea of like, what if a true? What if Truman Capote yeah. sort of did commentary on an episode of the X Files? So, which I love. This guy has a lot of weird ideas that produce for very fun episodes. But it is odd that we are, you know, a third of the way through this series' original run, and it does seem like a guy who's creating some seminal works for this series is on his way out the door. Yeah, but there's others. I mean, you know, there's going to be some some household name type people in in a bit. So, um, yeah. Well, let's speak of households. Let's start in a household with War of the Copperphages. Because we get a cold open here. Also, as a side note, Copperphages, we've looked it up, means a animal that eats poopies. Exactly. Which I guess, you know, uh, you know, we have pets. A lot of people out there have pets. I think some pets might become copperphages at a certain point. Yeah, our little girl is not, though. Our little girl is too picky. She's too picky. She she's barely gonna, eats she's her dog eat, food. Yeah, she's going to eat the sun, but she's not going to eat her own poop. Yeah, and it's War of the Copperphages because it's like in reference to War of the Worlds. Right, which was that, that big... Uh, H.G. Orson, Wells. Orson Wells. Orson Wells. Uh, yeah, the Orson Wells. But also H.G. Wells. And also H.G. Wells. It was a, it was a, H.G. Wells wrote the book. Right, but Orson Wells did the whole big false broadcast about how, yes. oh, yes, the aliens yes, yes, are yes. touching down. It's madness. And I think we really examine like the hysteria that society can come under when <laughs> given yeah. a false narrative. Never heard about that one before, certainly in the year 2021. Hello, hello, hello. But here we are investigating it. So we start here with... This really creepy monologue under a single, you know, unshaded light bulb from this guy giving all these fun facts about the cockroaches, right? The 350 million years old. Yeah, he comes across as like a total serial killer vibe. Right. He talks about like his fascination with them, how a single female can produce over half a million descendants, like Octomom times uh, about like uh, 50 million mm-hmm. or so. Uh, but basically says, you know, they're flawless creatures. They're not capable of thought. Uh, compared to the roach, we are gods and must therefore act accordingly. And he squishes one, which then sort of gives away the goat that this guy is it's just, just a, an exterminator. A well-spoken exterminator, exactly. Yeah, a little bit uh, high on his horse about bug killing over there. Yeah, and I do love the reveal as well that like he turns around because he's wearing like this yeah. white, crisp white button-down shirt, mm-hmm. but it's just his uniform. It's just his uniform. He's just yeah. an exterminator. No, I would say if your if your job is squishing bugs, that I think maybe white is not the outfit <laughs> of choice for your uniform. No, it is because you can bleach it. I suppose so. Yeah, that's yeah. probably easier. That's why a lot of things, a lot of uniforms are white. So. Basically, this guy is in to uh, help exterminate uh, the roach-infested basement of this, like, rather persnickety, mustachioed man. Who, who also hates bugs. Yeah, well, he'll come to play a, a much more prominent role. So this guy's doing his thing, right? He's spraying this this new mm-hmm. pesticide that uh, apparently is going to, like, 
kill them and kill everyone they come in yeah, contact like inf- with. Yeah, like it infects the bug with like a virus so that the virus like then kills, like yeah. spreads. And I mean, there's obviously a big mystery even at the end of this episode as to like what the hell happened. And for a good portion of time, I did think it might have come from this pesticide, right? Because he said it works like mm-hmm. a fungus. And I was like, could be very easily that the cockroach is impervious to yeah. it, but like gets a little out of sorts and spreads that to his or her brethren. Yeah, my theory is that it's just that these like weird cockroaches came like they're like a weird type of cockroach. Right. They, they hear with the Scully theory that this yeah. is like a a, a foreign cockroach. Well, because cockroach. They, they brought them in. Right. Yeah. So basically we see this guy like step on a cockroach and then all of a sudden he starts gasping for air. Yeah, and then all these co- like shock. And then all these cockroaches start coming out of the drain and he's covered in it. Now Scully's going to say later it's anaphylactic shock. And I guess if we're team Scully in this case that this was just purely a medical thing. Was it just that the cockroaches were like, all right, he's dead, let's party. Yeah, well, yes, I think so. I think Which it's is, like... Um, I feel like, what was it, like Joe's Apartment or something? There was like that 90s movie where they had CGI cockroaches that would party. Oh, I have no idea what that I is. I can't remember it. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll figure <laughs> I mean, it out. I mean, there's the ones that, there's the like, little guys in Men in Black that kind of look like cockroaches, right? Those are the worms. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll we'll talk more about that. But obviously... Uh, a spooky, spooky cold open as we get back to Mulder is going to just happen. This is one of those X-Files episodes where he just like happens to run into this situation, right? Yeah, so he's in Massachusetts, and this is where this happened. And we are guessing that he just... So he says to Scully that he just decided to take a weekend away and go go to Massachusetts. Right, well, he says, ironically enough, that his apartment complex is being fumigated. fumigated he's yeah. gone up to Massachusetts, not to necessarily visit his right, family. Which I, th- I guess, I mean, he's from Massachusetts, so maybe he's just like going to like yeah, experience the beautiful mi- nature. Poor Mrs. Mulder. Like, she is an empty nester, and then some at the moment, and he doesn't even check in on his own mom. But he also admits, like, yeah, there might have been some rumblings of bright, colorful <laughs> right. lights, so I had to chase it. By the way, I did look it up. It is indeed Joe's Apartment is the the name of the oft-forgotten Never heard of 90s film. Because I remember it was back in the days when, like, CGI stuff was popular. Like, I feel like this was coming out of Flubber. Uh, and so they're like, oh, yeah, we want these. We want to make cockroaches do someone like- out there is is nodding their head. Yes, to you. But it's right. not me. <laughs> it's only for the one person. And I'm I'm very happy about that. We get a lot of really fun correspondences between Mulder and Scully, where Scully is going to essentially use Mulder as her weekend entertainment. Yeah, because uh, right now she's just sitting there cleaning her gun in her kitchen. Yeah, which I, I love the things that they give Scully to do, like what she does on the weekend. And I think we mentioned this in our last um ep- our last podcast that we were um that this was an episode where Scully and Mulder are like not really together for the majority of the episode. And so you like are in this instance where you're kind of experiencing them on their own, but you know, utilizing each other as like a sounding board. Yeah. So that's the thing is that I do feel like to, to Fitzy's point last week, this feels less like, you know, the, the storyline in part two of, of, you know, everything last week and more so like, yes, they're physically separated, but they're constantly in communication Mm -hmm. with each other. And Scully is, of course, going to, to Scully out the situation, right? Where she well, gets, she gets to the point where she's like, I'm so bored that I'm just going to go. Right. But at the moment when Mulder's like, oh, look at the bright lights, she basically comes right out. I'm surprised she hasn't really said this before, though maybe she has in a previous episode where she's just like, all right, listen, the fact that intelligent life exists, like the pure concept of it is yeah, anti-Darwinian. She, yeah, she like goes through this whole like uh, little speech, and it's so funny because she like spits it all out, and then she's just like, "In, in fact, it's just a- almost anti-Darwinian." And Mother replies with, "Scully, what are you wearing?" Yeah, so it's clear to her like 
I can I can say this all I want to, but I'm never getting through with him unless no, there's proof there. Well, I think that, yes, but I think that he's saying that because it's like she comes across as like, science is sexy yeah. in that moment. Well, you know? I mean, Mulder's going to find out that fact very later exactly. on in this episode. But Mulder's going to get interrupted here where he essentially gets like a knock-knock on the window from a cop who's basically like, what are you doing here? Uh, are you on the phone with your drug dealer? I think this makes sense in retrospect, given that apparently this town has a, I don't know, a pretty bad drug problem. <laughs> right. There's like a bunch of kids cooking meth in basements. Yeah. So. Some, I think it's a, I think it's Jack Rome is the name of it. Like, I think there actually is legitimately oh, a drug. cook that, feces. Where you lay, you like, yeah. you basically cook poop and then you inhale <laughs> the methane and that yeah. gets you high. Gross. It's sort of like a crappy whippet, quite, quite literally. But the pullover gets interrupted when the cop gets something over the radio about this dead exterminator. And Mulder's just going to follow him to the murder scene. Well, and the guy, like, and then the Mulder squishes a bug. And the guy's just like, uh, he's like, oh, why? Oh, he asked him why his windshield wipers were on. He goes, oh, I was just knocking a bug off the window. And the guy goes, was it a roach? Yeah, he, like, grabs, he, like freaks out. He grabs his gun defensively because Mulder's going to follow him. I mean, Reveals there's been a bunch of roach attacks in town. And yeah. Mulder's like, hmm, that and Mulder, sounds and Mulder interesting. Fl- flashed his badge, right? Like, yeah. he's, he's okay to take on the crime scene here. But we get a little bit of false leads as well. Uh, that the other two people murdered right now were sort of a molecular biologist and an astrophysicist. So, I mean, if you're also if you're on Team Mulder, that this is like a premeditated attack mm-hmm. from the cockroaches that if they're trying to target either like the scientific kind in this town or those that are their their greatest enemies, that they're clearly profiling people. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know about that. No, I don't think so. The fun thing about these two episodes is that they, they really do a great job of providing a lot of doubt to the audience. Uh, and so I do like when things are not particularly open and shut. I know that sometimes that can be a little frustrating, especially in a show yeah, that but does I often think answer the, mysteries. The point of this episode is just kind of a ha-ha, like, this is very silly. Like, there's, like, you know, some sort of paranormal, like, mystery to it. But at the same time, like, who cares? They're cockroaches. <laughs> yeah, this cop, though, is, I don't know, he's sort of in over his head, but he does have a couple of fun zingers. Like, yes. when the, the mustache guy's like... I just I see the bugs every time I close my eyes and he just demurely tells him, well, try not closing your eyes. Yes, he's very like matter of fact, like we got to like I need my town back. Like, let's fix this. So as they're investigating this, we mentioned them actually a few minutes ago. There's a bunch of kooky kids making drugs, drinking beer, drinking beer. Exactly. But they're like, seems like they're pretty scientifically. uh, I don't know. uh, Influence like (laughs) they have a whole lab going like they're much more Walter White than Jesse Pinkman at this point. They're not just like a. Oh, we'll throw this thing on this thing. They've got beakers going. They have a whole like uh, cryogenic cooler where they yeah, put Yeah, and I in. did mention that one of the kids was somebody sort of famous, I think. I just forget now who what he was from. <laughs> okay, so one of these kids. Was uh, yeah. Person. Was it the one who, who the, died? Like the one No, the bigger. It's the bigger guy. He, oh, okay. he's, he's been in a lot of stuff and he was in like a few movies recently. And now I'm just like totally spacing on who he is. But Well, much like this guy was in. Oh, yeah. This also project. freaked the crap out of you. I, I mean, listen, it, it has become well documented in my various podcasts over the years that I do not like what's known as like body horror. Yeah. When there's like just things that are done. I just always think bodies. of anything on the X-Files like being so far removed from like time that it it's just like not going to be effective to me anymore. No, but this was gross. I mean, it's gross. This guy imagines because uh, he's using a lot of drugs that bugs are crawling into his arms. Yeah, this is very like circa the '90s version of the Mummy. Well, yeah, because the Mummy, for those that might remember, I think it was Benny. It's either Benny or like the other Bedouin who helps. No, no, uh, it's Ben. 
It's mm, somebody. Somebody. And maybe not Benny. Uh, maybe it's Benny, actually, because Benny's greedy and he grabs. Oh, and like, it's the, the brother, too, gets yeah. it under his arm and they have to cut it out. Right, because they have, like, he grabs the little scarab off the wall and then the scarab oh, yeah, comes yeah, to yeah. life and crawls under his skin. Oh, uh, yeah. It, it, that was definitely a, a memory that sticks in my mind after, you know, maybe a, a low point in what I feel like is a very fun movie. Yeah, that um, was gross. But this was also equally as disgusting. So that he starts trying to like razor blade his arms and they stop him, but ultimately he dies. Yeah, as he dies, I think they say he dies of a heart attack. Yeah. Um, because he essentially like scares himself scares to death. Him. I mean, this is, it's always going to talk about Ekbom syndrome. We've heard of this as well. I remember yeah. this from a uh, health class that like uh they call them what like coke bugs I yeah think sometimes mm-hmm. when you're drugged up you might the reason why you might find a lot your of skin people, is crawling yeah people that are addicted to drugs you often find them like scratching is because they have that feeling that something's under their mm-hmm. skin and they have to itch to get it out yeah but this he like actually envisions a bug which is gross yeah really this is an episode that is firmly anti-drug <laughs> yes like, <laughs> or at least just, anti-manure they should have just used this as an in the truth commercial like yeah. don't vape kids or these cockroaches are going to crawl under your skin yeah yeah so Mulder is going to find a roach exoskeleton back uh, or at the crime scene, and it's made of metal. Yeah, so he crushes it in his hand because he immediately picks it, it up, and it just um, like disintegrates in his hand. Right, so it's made out of a pretty flimsy metal, or maybe in the Mission Impossible style of like, if you're found out, you will mm-hmm. automatically self-destruct as a failsafe. Yeah. So as they're sort of investigating this, there is... Uh, the medical examiner, I guess I'll put it right, the guy who, like, sort of does <laughs> yeah. autopsies. Yeah, the poor, like, medical examiner in the town who just, like, is, like, responsible for autopsies and, like, very run-of-the-mill type of stuff is yeah. thrown into the deep end. Well, that's the thing, is that you, you get a feeling between him and the cop that clearly this has been happening a lot, and it's starting to worry even the, the most higher-ups yeah. on the town, to the point where, basically, this doctor is, like, desperate for Mulder to give him any information, namely, like, how much in danger am I? And it's really, again, this fear of the unknown that no matter where you stand in society can still affect you. Yeah, for sure. And it was, uh, the, I feel like he was also just scared that he was going to get bug-eaten. Yeah, I mean, he is very close to all of these bug-eaten people, so secondhand contact might not help. But Mulder has no answers for him, and that makes him, according to the doctor, that the, this fury makes him quite constipated. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, listen, I know you have to go to the bathroom, but that's, I don't know, that's not a great exit line. No, and then so he goes to the bathroom and is attacked by bugs. Yeah, he's on the toilet reading Scientific American. And, well, you say he's attacked by bugs. It seems like they, they happen to be there. Yeah, they just were there. I don't actually know how this guy dies. I mean, it, it could be just thing where, like, like you said, he's super paranoid. Mm-hmm. He sees the cockroaches and, like, has a heart attack. And yeah. Die. I mean, Scully, what Scully seems to uh, say is that this guy was straining so yeah. hard because yeah. he was constipated mm-hmm. and that he gave himself an aneurysm. Which, which happens. frightens me. Yeah, it definitely happens, though. You never heard about that? I mean, I, I, uh, I'm not in, in great numbers. No, yeah, but it does happen. People die from pooping. It's really scary. Yeah, don't poop yourself to death. Well, I guess that's why, like, the Squatty Potty has really helped market itself, right? Like, look, yeah. look how many deaths <laughs> yeah. are prevented every year by, by putting your legs in the correct position. Exactly, exactly. So, while all this is happening, as this guy is visiting the facilities, it will be his final resting place, which mm-hmm. is another tragic thing. Basically, we find out some information that, like, the Department of Agriculture set up shop in town, for yeah. whatever particular reason. So, well, we do find out that they they set up shop in a house to do testing. Right. That basically, like, 
oh, there's this there's a cockroach infested town. I'm going to do some testing on the cockroaches well, by filling she, this house with bugs. She says later, yeah, that it's a it's not that the town is infested. It's just that they chose that spot because it's a very common area for that type of roach. But meanwhile, they're going to stop in and visit in on old poopy doctor. Hopefully, I mean, they say when you die, you uh, evacuate <laughs> yourself. So hopefully he was able to at least have some sort of peace. Yeah, oh, God, when he <laughs> went terrible. Here. But Mulder, I wrote in my notes, God, Mulder's an idiot because yeah. he's holding a roach. And then when the bug sort of like comes back to life. He sort of instinctually throws it away I think he just, down the drain. Yeah, he like drops it by, because it was scary. Yeah, but at the same time, like Mulder has shown himself to, I don't know, look pr- look pretty steely in the face of freaky stuff. I, I understand guess. it's an, in- an instinct, but it's not a good instinct. No, and bugs are icky, so well, you got to drop them. Because, I mean, that was, you know, hard evidence, right? The cop's even going to uh, sort of mock Mulder later, right? Being like, oh, do you actually have one this time? Yeah, exactly. So Scully, as you said, is now actually starting to show... Some interest. This whole episode so far, Mulder has been calling her. Now yeah. she's actually calling him and is saying like, "Oh, yeah, I did this research. You know, there's a there's a species of roaches that were brought in from Asia mm-hmm. that might not be conditioned to be afraid of people. It's sort of like New York pigeons." Yes, exactly. And she's just um, ready to solve it over the phone with him. Yeah, but he doesn't care because he's already trespassed onto government property. Check that off the Mulder bingo card. For yeah, this episode. and she was like, I don't know if you should do that. And he's like, oh, I'm already inside. Yeah. <laughs> and so as he, when he comes inside, like we mentioned before, this is sort of like the farmhouse test area for all yeah. the roaches. And he sees a bunch of roaches come crawling out of the walls. And because well, the walls are moving. The walls are moving. But David Duchovny does not have a very great reaction of fear to this, in my <laughs> no. opinion. It's very much like it's something out of like a Jose Chung novel where he's like, Oh my god, the roaches, they're yeah. everywhere. Yeah, he's very monotone about it. Yeah, so it's it, like those those peaks are not necessarily there. We have seen peaks of David Duchovny's performance before when it comes to like sadness and anger, but it, fright I don't think is really no, in his vocabulary. No, he plays it cool. He plays it cool. But he gets I guess rescued here. Yeah, the lights flick on and we pan up to see a hottie for toddy. A hottie for toddy in a very, like, Laura Dern outfit from Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. Elsa Ellie Sadler realness going yes. on with Dr. Bambi Berenbaum. Bambi Berenbaum. What a name. Well, I guess Berenbaum was taken because it's actually somebody who's um a et- ephthalmologist. Oh, really? So, okay. Yeah. I do like that as well. And we'll get into that with the, uh, the second episode. How I know Darren Morgan in particular mm-hmm. really likes to uh, really likes to use real life people as inspirations. Yeah. So I guess this is all like, well, and Bambi is not who that was, but Bambi's a hottie. She's a hottie with a brain. Bambi. Bambi. Love it. I, well, and they do, they do that so that you can have Scully just, like, rolling her eyes later. Well, the, yeah, so here's a, uh, a, a comment from Spencer about that. Of course, the great Spencer sending in uh, sending in comments every week, basically saying the appearance of Dr. Bambi, I love how we're now just getting rid of her name and calling her Dr. Bambi. Dr. Bambi. Was a reminder for me about how the show liked to introduce potential one-off love interests for Mulder they and Scully it. in standalone episodes during their early seasons. Fans who were dedicated shippers of the two agents didn't particularly care for the injection of a third party for romantic tension and lovey-dovey schmoopy plot elements are generally off the table. However, the show is an equal opportunity provider as both Mulder and Scully get to have outside love interests for makeout scenes and doing the deed on the very rare occasion. So things are not one-sided and skewed towards Mulder. Scully gets some. Yeah, no, it's true. At, at some point, there are episodes with Scully and, and romantic love interests and one in particular that's like very strange, but... 
Um, there's even an episode I, I think we skipped. Well, we definitely skipped it. It's the episode between when um, Scully gets uh, abducted mm. and then found. And so she's not on the episode because she's on maternity leave, I guess. Right. And it's Mulder. And he's like in the in California and there's wildfires happening. Mm-hmm. And it's like a vampire-esque type episode because there's like a lady that they, right. they just like drink blood for fun. And <laughs> He, like, like you do. He's into her. She dies. It's all very dramatic. But like, I hate that episode. <laughs> but you said that like he finds some romantic interest there with someone. Yeah, the lady, like one of the ladies, oh, the like, blood drinking. Yeah, lady. yeah. No, they like are like they're like doing it. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, they're like. I was gonna say like I hadn't really experienced any of these one-off love interests up, but maybe yeah, because like, we just haven't seen yeah, them. Maybe besides like you could say arguably is Melissa Scully eh. maybe sort of like I think they wanted a, that. But yeah, maybe. kindling for Mulder. Yeah, no, they there's episodes that we just didn't watch. So Mulder, I mean, listen, Mulder pops a huge boner here, right? <laughs> yeah, where, he's like, where, where Berenbaum takes him into the lab and is basically like, oh, you know, uh, did you, I don't know if you know anything about UFOs. Mm-hmm. He's like, swing. Mm-hmm. But he, he basically says, well, I always believe that UFO sightings are actually swarms of bioluminescent bugs that people just mistake for extraterrestrial life. Yeah, and then she's he's like dying. He's like loving this because he she, gets to talk like UFOs with somebody hot. And she also, uh, you know, expresses, I think, his similar like demure look at the world where yeah. she basically says, the reason why she loves insects is because, like, they're not kidding themselves. All they know how to yeah, do it's is, a little bit of a is basically, like, crap, eat, and procreate. And who are we kidding ourselves with thinking we're capable of higher thought than that? Yeah, it's like a simplified view of, of life and how we should be, you know, more... Uh, basic in our in our interactions. Yeah, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yes. Bugs are at the lowest level. And a really great moment from Mulder here where we show, like, when Mulder is, is very self-interested, he will block out everything else. Where Mulder gets a, a phone call, immediately picks it up, says, not now, and then hangs <laughs> up. Because he knows it's Scully. I don't know, it could be his poor mother no, being like, hey, I he hear you're in town, for son. sure knows it was Scully, and he's just like, nope. Mm-mm. <laughs> so, Mulder's gonna stay in this hotel, right? And this is where uh, yeah, the like mustache It seems like a boarding house almost because that's where the same guy yeah the guy who the who, doctor the doctor was staying it seems like and there's also a similar mustached man who's just like chilling out watching a tv slovenly human basically. ignoring the bugs that are crawling all over his this feet. was too much for me this yeah. was disgusting because well, we were watching this in bed like, and he was relatable. like he was like dirty he was like a dirty guy like he was like clearly like like well, not didn't care about his say that because he was sitting in his tidy whities in the bed and he was dirty, like physically dirty. <laughs> I'm not trying to throw shade at him, but he was dirty. Yeah. So, I and mean, there were like wrappers all over the bed. It was gross. Yeah. So, it, of course, it's going to attract bugs, and this is yeah. going to be the next victim. Mulder's going to be a little paranoid about everything, right? He's going to wake up in the middle of the night, similar to yeah, what like you do on occasion, and brushing the bugs off himself. And you said there was this really cute moment where yeah. like, he calls Scully, and Scully is in bed with the phone next yeah, to her. Yeah, she's sleeping with the phone next to her ear, and he calls her, and she immediately picks up and is like, hello? Like, she's like waiting for him to call, because like, he basically, the last time he hung up with her, he um was getting like dis- like the walls were moving bugs were coming after True. him and then bambi shows up but she doesn't know bambi showed up so she's like is he okay like she's like waiting for him to give her an update that he's alive despite david Duchovny's performance indicating otherwise it does appear that Mulder seems to have some sort of phobia of bugs yeah. right he tells a story about how as a kid he climbed a tree and scraped his knee uh and he ran into a praying mantis uh-huh. and basically was like this creature looked extraterrestrial and made me freak out yeah he had like a little like crisis by seeing it 
But I like that he also is just like, um, he's like, I can I tell you a secret, Scully? I don't like bugs. And it's like, that's not like, it's not a good secret, Mulder. And then like he says, like, I let her to scream, not a girly scream. And then yeah. uh, Scully says, are you sure it wasn't a girly scream? Which will, that'll uh, actually inform the next episode we'll yes. talk about. One of my favorite moments of, of the next episode. Yes. <laughs> but basically, Scully now wants to go up there, being like, something's going on here. But Mulder actually turns her away. Yeah. Saying, no, 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 you're right. The guy just probably had a heart attack. I don't know. Do you think this is like, uh, listen, I want to mack on some Bambi, get her out of the picture? Um, no, I, I mean, yes, he wants to mack on Bambi, but I think he just is like, uh, doesn't, wasn't actually calling Scully to like get her opinion on the case, was just calling her to call her because she's, she's his BFF. Just to check in every, yeah. every once in a while, like stay on the phone with me while I fall asleep. They're like BFFs. So Mulder is going to go visit a roboticist by the name of Dr. Ivanov. Mm-hmm. Love him. Very like Stephen Hawking's vibes. Yeah. So he, cause he is, he's in a wheelchair. It looks like he has a voice box. I'm a little confused because like he can move his arms, right? He's not like Yeah, but a lot of people paralyzed. have had maybe he had like throat surgery or something. I mean or maybe a bug crawled down there. Maybe a bug crawled down his throat. But yeah, he has a voice box and he holds the microphone up to the voice box to, like, I would also not be surprised if he designed his own voice box. Because the maybe. whole thing is that Mulder's investigating him because he has created robots that yeah. are like similarly designed for insects. So the fact that Mulder's going to run into one, a sort of it's like a cross between a Mars rover and yeah. a bug. Sort of looks like Johnny Five from it the does Short look Circuit like Johnny series. Five. Yeah, and it's like kind of just like crawling around. It's like a modern day if you had like a Roomba that was oh DJ Roomba shaped like a cockroach. Yeah, so it's like a little bug robot and just yeah. like going. Well, this scene is starting to mess with us. Like the lower third, the robot actually drives by and like erases the lower third, which I don't think we've seen before. But Ivanov basically, you know, he he gets on his high horse, uh, his high wheelchair. Wait, did the bug go across the screen yet? Not yet. Okay. Uh, But he's going to, because he's going to go on and basically be like, uh, oh, my robots are the future of space exploration. And he's also with Mulder that like, clearly, if there is intelligent life out there, uh, you know, aliens will be based on robots because this is the pinnacle of our form of intelligence. Yeah. And for him, this little robot is like AI. You know, it's like not AI that we. AI, like as if. Like as if. Um, But. We today think of it in a different way, but at, in the 90s, it was very much so like artificial intelligence was the thing yeah. to to talk about in sci-fi. And so I feel like this was like very in line with that, especially when he says later that like the robot keeps following him around. Is yeah. he trained to do that? And he's like, no, he just likes you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like he programmed these insectoid robots with like... To follow movement. Yeah, just like base behavior. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, oh, this is like a Furby with wheels. Yeah, exactly. But... Ivanov almost learned has, behavior too, though. Yeah. In there, he almost has an existential meltdown, though, when yeah. he <laughs> Poor sees guy. the roach because he realizes, like, all my life's work cannot measure up to like a, a level even near the compre- the complexion that this is at right now. And we still don't know if this is like the roach is made of metal or if it's like if it's a real roach that just has metal in its body like, like it that was, could be the case you know if this roach yeah like did somebody make this robot is it a robot roach or is it just a roach that like has incorporated metal into its exoskeleton i like to believe the latter because i mean scully did talk about the yeah. darwinian aspects of it all and i mean let's talk about you know the the very arc we talked about last episode with what was going on with like genetically engineering people that yeah. can withstand nuclear attacks i would not be surprised if the Roaches nuclear attacks have, that happened yeah. in Japan, the, you know, the adages that cockroaches can survive a nuclear holocaust, like, 
maybe there are some that mutated because of it and the the metal got adapted into their exoskeletons. Yeah, something like that. But um, But there is... Either way, made him sad. (laughs) Made him sad. Made us scary because as they are talking, a roach crawls across (laughs) the camera lens. Yeah, so it's supposed to make you feel like there's a roach in your TV. This is absolutely mind-blowing. Like, this is... I know that they like to... And we'll talk about this, especially with Jose very meta from Outer Space. Like, they love to, to break the fourth wall. Yeah. But this is like putting a cockroach on the fourth wall. Yeah, they put a cockroach there because it's like, I think you're watching this and, like, we were even talking about how in the beginning, like, we're, like, laying on the bed feeling, like, itchy because we're thinking about bugs. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, you see this cockroach go across the screen. You're like, oh, my God, is there an actual bug in here? It's a really great physicalization of how the show is really, like, stringing you along, but also throwing you in so many different directions of, oh, maybe it can be this, but maybe it can be that. They had a heart attack, but also these might be robots. And also, there's bugs here. And also, there might be a bug in your very apartment right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, which is again, very like war of the worlds, right? Like trying to bring this science fiction into your own reality. So it might make you freak out along the lines of these people. Cause Scully is going to, uh, basically, she's going to like stop off at a gas station. Yeah. So she decides, uh, well, we skipped the part where she's giving Queequeg a bath. Yeah. With the flea medicine. That was, yeah. So one of the things that like she's doing in her apartment, she's cleaning her gun. She's sort of like, you know, puttering around. Mm-hmm. She, and one of the things is she's giving the little papa bath. Yeah. But she's going to leave Queequeg behind yes. for now. Cause she's, she, despite Mulder, you know, she says Mulder uncovering. He says, I don't care. Yeah. I feel like cause he was lusting over Bambi at the time. So yeah. he's like, she, you do what you want, Scully. So she stops off at a gas station and pandemonium. Yeah. It's absolute bonkers. madness. <laughs> people are looting. Well, actually people aren't looting yet. It seems like people are actually stopping at the cashier to pay, which is nice, but people are, are fighting over supplies. Uh, yeah. Running in and out. Uh, cars are honking yeah. cars are running into each other specifically bug spray is like the hot commodity right now because th- we don't we didn't talk about this that there have been reports that have been coming out around these deaths that are saying like oh it's linked to roaches there's this rumor that like oh the roaches are carrying the ebola virus uh this one guy is really believing that saying we're all going to be bleeding from our nipples <laughs> Yes, that one made me laugh. Yeah, (laughs) the delivery of it is like, we're all going to be bleeding from our nipples. Yeah, I mean, it's a really fun commentary, I feel like, just about just mass hysteria. Spencer makes basically a comment about this, uh, that Darren Morgan's message for this episode, he believes, is about the simple mindedness of human beings and their lack of critical thinking, which is surprisingly still topical and relevant today. Uh, Basically saying like, oh, the humor in this can be used as almost a cautionary tale about people who don't use facts-based thinking and basically not only adapt the sort of like uh, conspiracy-based mindset, but then also proceed to make a hive-like mentality. Much like the cockroaches gather, so do these people, basically, to be like, oh, there's a headline. I'm not going to look into the facts. If everyone else is believing it, I'm going to believe it too. And as a result, they start going down the rabbit hole of, oh my god, I'm going to bleed from my nipples. Let me grab as many supplies as possible. Yeah, exactly. And just like very over the top. Yeah, to the point where uh, the whole gas station clears out because two women while fighting for a can of bug spray knock over like a can of Choco drops and everyone thinks they're roaches. (laughs) Yeah, this is like also relatable to 2020 in March and April, especially in March and April when 
literally like there was no control over anything because they were just people were going into stores and just buying everything. Yeah, like the, again, the toilet paper shortage. And this is also like, you know, people are thinking like, I have to spray my groceries down. Yeah, like, just like wild stuff. And just I think that it's like there's a lesson to be learned here. Like, don't panic. So the last thread they're going to pursue here is with, again, this mustachioed guy who turned out to be what an alternative fuel scientist. Scully is reasoning right. that this is all coming from the fact that, you know, a shipment from of dung was brought in for out of town. This mm-hmm. guy is using the dung as an alternate fuel source. Some of these other kids were obviously using it for more nefarious purposes. And I think the guy, I don't think the, I think the mustachio guy was a worker. Right. But he, yeah. but he was working on alternative fuel sources. And that's where he's hanging out at like the methane facility, which is where Mulder finds him. Oh, you're talking about the main, yeah, the doctor. The, yeah, the yeah. doctor. Not, I thought not, you meant the dead guy. No, not the dead guy. There, there are many mustaches, <laughs> yeah. many bald mustachian men yeah. in this episode. But I also love how when Scully gives that reasoning, Mulder then responds with like, well, yeah, of course, but wouldn't you think that the aliens are also yeah. looking for an alternative <laughs> like, fuel source, so they send roaches here to take over the world, and Scully's like, yeah, sure, Mulder. Yeah, like, what the, what the F ever at this point? <laughs> I'll see you in a few minutes. Uh, so Mulder's going to go off to the factory with Bambi, leaving Bambi outside. And now yeah, Bambi was doing the car because she's just a poor lady. She so, can't take care of herself. Well, Bambi's going to run into Scully there. Yeah. Scully barely regards her. Yeah, she's like, um, she says, should I come in with you? Bambi says to Scully, and Scully's like, um, there, this is no place for an ophthalmologist. <laughs> well, I also realized uh, Bambi and Fox, lots of woodland creatures, yes. no matter they're so well linked yes. together. So Mulder and Scully are going to try to confront this guy who is just off the deep end with paranoia at this point. Yes, right? This, like he, he's freaking out. He believes the bugs are coming to get him. He thinks that like Mulder's working on behalf of the bugs to the point where he gets a phone call and like he's like, oh, my God, that's the bug signaling to you. Yeah, because I guess that the bugs make like a chirping noise. Roaches make a chirping noise. And so what he ends up blowing up the methane factory which right <laughs> which covers Mulder and scully in manure yeah because basically he's shot firing guns inside of a methane factory not a good idea yeah so he obviously ends up dying the factory is destroyed luckily Mulder and scully are not wounded they're just covered in doo-doo and maybe their pride is a bit wounded yeah and bambi's just standing there looking hot yeah well bambi maybe it's because Mulder is not smelling very good she's gonna Look to much uh, greener pastures. I don't think that Bambi was ever into Mulder in that way. You don't think so? No, I think that Bambi's, she says it right in the beginning. She's all about base, like, instincts and base, like, things. And she's really only interested in bugs. Like, Well, then to that point, so she, Ivanov made his way over Mm -hmm. there. And they're all sort of going to powwow at the end of this. She wants to get it on with the scientists. Yeah, so I was going to say, to that point, do you think Bambi did have a romantic interest in Ivanov? Yes, she's in. She's like, um, she's taken with him, I should say. Well, because she also... She knows who he is. This is a bit of a May-December thing, but she also, yeah, she looks up to his work, right? Yeah. Like, she, she enjoys what he's been studying because he created those robotic insects. She read his work in the magazine. Yeah, so, so it's kind of like a, like getting with your, your favorite celebrity type thing. Yeah, but Scully also muses, right, that like, well, if this ever happens again, their child will be able to save the world because yeah. they'll be that smart. And Mulder says she smells. I never thought I'd say this to you, Scully, but you smell bad. <laughs> I always thought that line was so weird. Yeah, like, like, he's going back to like, all right, let me, if now that my fetish is gone, let's go back to making cracks at Scully. Yeah, I guess so. So we usually get Scully's uh, narration when she sort of writes Doogie Howser style at the end mm-hmm. of episodes, but we get a rare appearance from Mulder's Doogie and Howser. His giant computer. Giant computer as he's talking about like, uh, you know, oh, this has made me realize that there's a part of our brain that makes us react, not, uh, you know, think about things, almost like a bug sense. Yeah. And even though his apartment has been fumigated, I guess Mulder digging into this big-ass slice of chocolate cake, 
has allowed yeah, they what, kept, whatever I knew kind was, of bug this is to I'm come pretty out. sure it was a cicada. It looks like a cicada. Uh, cicada season. Yeah, it's coming. But I, it looked like that type of bug. It it's was huge. giant. They're huge, yeah. But it almost looked like a milky white. Yeah, they can look like that when they're alive. I didn't realize that. Um, but... Either way, it was disgusting. And then you knew it was coming, too, because they they kept, like, um, zooming out, and you would get, like, a clear picture of the cake and a, yeah. zo- and a blurry picture of Mulder. I mean, I thought for a second in. it was going to be that he kept picking up the cake, and then one time he wasn't going to pick up the cake, he was going to, like, pick up a bug and chomp into it or yeah, something. Yeah, basically what happened. But yeah, kept, I, wonder, I don't know if standards and practices he, would let that He decides happen. to smush the bug. Yeah, because, well, he talks about how— He thinks about it for a second. But then he's just the bug. Exactly. He's like, yeah, you know, no matter what, uh, maybe this gave me more respect for bugs. This also made me realize that, you know, uh, we have not advanced to the level of intergalactic species who are probably past the base needs uh, for survival. But bugs are still spoopy. Yeah, bugs are spoopy. And so he kills the bug. Bugs are spoopy and now squishy. So while Mulder cleans himself up, we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors before jumping into our second episode of the podcast. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, we got a nice shower. We're smelling nice and clean. You to, know how I love to take showers. To sit down and hear about multiple perspectives. I, I'll admit it, Angela, this might have been my favorite episode we've watched so far. As to series. be expected, yes. I, I mean, this is very much like I can this certainly... This is in your wheelhouse. I, yeah, sure. I can certainly understand why. I know at the time a lot of people were like, this is a fun episode of television. I don't know if this is a good episode of The X-Files. I can certainly understand that. But given my own sort of MO, which is essentially like an episode that kind of clowns on the concept of the X-Files. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I'm in the same way. I mean, I love Monster of the Week episodes. I think they're so fun. Even when they're, like, more dramatic, I, I enjoy them. Um, I think at the time it was probably more like, this isn't, th- for us, we want that sort of heavy arc stuff where yeah. you're sort of like, life or death, is Scully Mulder, like, all that nonsense. But I always love these episodes that kind of go outside of the wheelhouse. And also, I felt like this was just so fun from a, like, a, a theme perspective, like, mm. how, or cinema, cinematography perspective, you know, how, yeah. like, how they go about telling the story in this is, like, just so unique. And, like, I don't, I can't think of another show that does stuff like this. Yeah, I mean, these shows have done the Rashomon style before, but not in the way that it's done here. And it also ties in so nicely with the idea of the X-Files, right, that oftentimes an X-Files episode will be like, oh, it could be this one thing, yeah. but then it turns out to be something completely different. Here, it really is, instead of going from A to B to C, it's going from, like, A to Z 
TJ to yeah. upside down W. I know. To- that's why when we were watching it, I just like didn't talk much because you were just like, I just felt like you were asking too many questions. And I was like, I can't tell you anything no, without it. giving it away. I think that's also the point of this episode, too, is that you're supposed to ask so many questions along <laughs> the way. You're supposed to be like, like, what the fuck? You're supposed to be like, what's true? What's not? Why are these aliens talking? This guy's yeah. in a costume, etc. Yeah. So, I mean, we open even on a rug pull here where there's like a Star Wars-esque pan mm-hmm. to like what looks like a spaceship, but it's actually, I think, what, the undercarriage of a cherry picker? Yeah, it's like the undercarriage of a um, one of those like electrical working machine thingies. So I thought when I heard Jose Chung's from Outer Space, I'd, I remembered something about like a writer, but I thought that this was scene was going to be like out of a movie no. uh, or a pulp yeah. novel because we get like some pretty stilted dialogue where it's these two people. What is it like? Uh, Chrissy and Harold? Yeah, I think it's very like 1950s. Like, like gee whiz, Chrissy. I know it's our first date, but I think I'm I falling love for you. Yeah. And like, let's go get a malted shake. Yeah, exactly. So they like calling all the way back to the pilot. They they the car stops. It turns yep. off. A bright light turns on. And these gray aliens seemingly are just out and about. Yeah, it's very spooky right off the bat because the gray aliens come and they're they're coming towards them. And you're like, oh, no, they're going to get like so you're like, what's happening? Well, is this like real? Yeah, is this a dream? Like, well, is this- we talked about this before that, like, they have been very cautious up to this point to yes. show the aliens. Or if they do, they, Im- they immediately like refute it. Exactly. But then... Things take a turn to the ridiculous <laughs> when another spaceship comes in. A trying spaceship. A red light beams down and in comes what I'm going to call like a stop motion Yeti. Yeah, it's very much so like um, from those old uh, movies like yeah, Forbidden like Planet. Jason and the Argonauts. Yeah, Jason and the Argonauts. That's a perfect one. Yeah, but stop motion type of creature <laughs> with like a horn. Yeah, and so they... And the, the two aliens, like, are about to attack this Yeti and, like, sort of regard each other in English. I think, like, one of them calls the other one Jack. So you're, you're yeah. left saying, what the, what the hell is going on right yeah, now? Yeah, exactly. So it's very confusing. So Scully is going to get a visit here. Yeah, from- so we, we immediately, like, bounce back to um, the, the office. Yeah, and here Scully is being interviewed by the titular... Jose Chung, mm-hmm. played by Charles Nelson Riley, which is Amazing. incredible. I grew up watching all of those 70s match game episodes yep. where Charles Nelson Riley was like a staple of that. So to see him actually like A, not be on a panel show and B, like bring his signature sass to this stuff was so much fun. he has such a fun. distinctive way of talking that it just makes everything he says so like sassy and funny. <laughs> yeah, but Scully actually admires his work again, despite being, I think, so yeah. anti- like uh, mythology is really into oh, like, I guess because uh, Jose Chung hasn't been writing sci-fi, right? No, he he writes novels. I right. mean, he's a novelist, so I guess he's written some like sci-fi is his new thing. But like, yeah, he's just like he's like the Stephen King of, right. of the time. Somebody who is a great novelist and who she likes his work. She's a fan. Can I also say that I love the title of this episode yes. too? Because it's not until the final beat that you realize the book is is called it's called from Outer a, Space. From yeah. Outer Space. I thought that it could have been like, a, oh, it's Jose Chung from, from Outer, Outer, Outer Space. Space. Yeah, which exactly. Could have been another twist as well, <laughs> yeah. right? That he was an alien the entire time. But Jose Chung has essentially become obsessed with this story and Mulder and Scully's involvement because he's writing, quote, nonfiction science fiction. Yeah, so his his whole thing is that he likes to make money. 
And he <laughs> likes to be a, a novelist that makes money. So he's going to get into science fiction by creating a new genre, which basically is like the investigation of a potential. Like it's like you know, this is a true story, right? It's it's sort yeah. of like um. Uh, what is it like the like the the Annabelle series? Yeah, like haunting in Connecticut. Uh, like yeah, when they any take, of the haunting yeah, things. Like when they take real paranormal stories and adapt them into into fiction. Yes, and he wants to do that by um, going through this whatever happened in uh, in where was this? Where did this take place? God, I want to say it was like Minnesota. It's in the mid- Midwest, wherever it happens. Yeah, of course, <laughs> it's always the Midwest when there's plenty of, when the corn is as yes. high as an elephant's eye. Yeah, and so like he knows that Mulder and Scully were the investigators on it, and so he um, he's interviewing them last. Like they're the last people that he's right. interviewed because he's, he's essentially gone around. It's almost like he was doing an oral history of this event. Yes. He's gone to a bunch of sources, and we'll get their stories, which we'll hear throughout. And Mulder and Scully are the last people for him to talk to to tie up these loose ends. But it does turn out that despite again how OTT that first scene was, that indeed Harold and Chrissy are real. She yep. has been uh, experiencing missing time. and her Oh, it's pl- in Washington. Oh, well, Washington was not on the side of Chrissy here. Uh, mm-hmm. She wakes up with her clothes being inside out and backwards. You know, as, as fun as this episode may be, it kind of starts on a dark note. Yeah. Scully theorizes that Chrissy was date raped by Harold. Yeah. So she tells Jose Chung that like that's her theory is that she is, um, you know, that it's just your run of the mill like date rape which sucks it's sad yeah. yeah but harold is under the impression that it was an abduction we're getting into his story in a little bit but he's trying to do the whole romeo thing right he's tap tap tapping on the glass <laughs> yes. uh, and basically saying like i did everything i could i love you and she calls the cops and on he's him. also like don't you remember what happened to us like we were abducted and so she calls the cops and they under questioning like he basically like is still claiming he didn't do any of this sort of he eventually he's so worn down oh, by the, the time that Mulder yeah. and scully get to him that he's like Fine, I did it, but he won't submit to a lie detector test. But this is where we also get the introduction to one of my, my favorite, favorite o- character, Officer Manners, or Detective Manners. Detective I Manners. His, I believe his name is. Uh, we're, he's just. I mean, listen. If if I said the first scene was OTT, this is like OTTTTTT. Yeah, basically, his whole thing is that he is a disgruntled detective, and his curse words are going to be replaced by the word bleep because scully's telling the story right and also standards and practices but even in this scene right where he's like i don't need a lie detector to prove the only thing you're being abducted by is your compounding hormones you punk you punk <laughs> like he's just such a great again pulpy yeah uh, so funny. bad cop that you usually see in these types of things yeah i love him he's a fave so we're gonna get into something that i feel like we haven't really glanced on a lot besides from from scully and melissa which is Hypnotism. Yeah, so this is a big aspect of the X-Files. We've missed a few episodes that do utilize hypnotism. Are we sure, or is it just missing time? <laughs> Maybe, but they if you recall, they do use it on Scully after she comes back right, from the Right, so that's the thing. So, but before Melissa dies, she convinces her to, to undergo that hypnosis. Yes, and, so, and Mulder goes through it a few times. We're going to watch an episode in another... Maybe it's this season? No, it's, I think it's another season where Mulder undergoes hypnotism. Mm-hmm. Like, just... They love it on the X-Files. It's a thing. Yeah. And so Mulder... Especially Mulder. He's always saying, let's hypnotize him. Remember that in the pilot, Mulder was like, oh, I didn't Mm -hmm. remember anything about my sister's abduction until I got hypnotized. Right. So he's convinced. Work for me should work for her. And Scully's like, no... This might even worsen memory because, because she was raped. Because <laughs> also, like, this could influence people, you know, like you can, once yes. someone's mind is susceptible, you can easily implant ideas into their mind's inception style. And she even says later in the episode that him and the detective were leading, were leading her on when yeah. they rehypnotize her. Exactly. So basically, Chrissy's going to get hypnotized here. And we get, I would say, the first version 
of the story, which tracks with what we know so far, right? The table that she's strapped to is very familiar to yeah. the, the one with the weird sort of like crop circle designs in it. Yeah, she basically claims that they were, she describes being on a spaceship, being surrounded by aliens. Um, that they, they, they beamed their thoughts into her mind that what they were doing was for the good of the planet. Mm-hmm. And she says, they like, they stole my memories. They stole my memories. Yeah, the way she says it's really creepy. And this is where Manners comes out with, you know, you really bleeped up this case. Like your blankety bleep blank, I am. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So good. It's, it's so, so and the fun. guy who does plays him is just like spot on with the delivery too. Yeah, because he's so matter of fact yeah. about it, despite the fact he's saying bleepity blank. He's basically speaking in Mad Libs. Yeah, it's so funny. Harold's version of the story is that he and Chrissy were in like they were also captured by aliens. Yeah, they were. They're sitting in like an alien prison cell, uh, and there was they, yeah, they're he, in cages. Yeah, but there's a fellow alien in the cage who's yeah. like rocking back and forth yeah. saying this is not happening this right. is not happening uh, and harold says chrissy like i'm not gonna let anything happen to you just as a bright light opens up and s- basically swallows her whole yeah and he like backs up and like lets it happen <laughs> so <laughs> it's very much so jack and uh and um rose on the titanic and she says i'll never let go and oh, she lets go there was enough room in that cell for the both of them yeah, at least i think there might have been but i think harold is obviously not all there too right like he tells Mulder, uh you know when you were a kid and you tore the legs off the bug for no yeah, good reason no i don't remember well, that i don't know i Mulder might sympathize with yeah. that right he's like oh i've been through some bug stuff before i understand it now yeah and like the questioning sort of leads scully to be like you know what like i just think that they had consensual sex like <laughs> yeah but we have apparently some eyewitnesses. Yes. And here comes Roki, I believe his name Rocky. is. Rocky. They call him Rocky, but it's spelled R-O-K-Y. Yeah, for it's some like, uh, I don't know. It's much like the uh, the internet streaming box. He has it all. He has well, it. he has a job now. <laughs> exactly. So he has like these Coke bottle glasses uh, and he has written down everything he experienced into basically a screenplay. Yeah, because so he is. So he was he was the electrical worker. He was the electrical worker. But at the time of this happening, I don't think he was. I think he was just out like looking for UFOs. No, I know right? he was. No, he was in the truck. Remember? Oh, he yeah, in, he was in the truck. No. And, oh, yeah. No. Yeah. yeah he yeah, was in the truck yeah, and yeah. he basically pulls up to it, sees what he claims, you know, we saw in the first scene. Like they notice him. Yes. He ducks down. And then while he goes to write it all down, I guess he's working in a garage. Maybe this is like a super studio apartment where it's a garage and a house all Mm -hmm. in one. A car pulls into his garage and out steps Jesse the Body Ventura. Yeah, you didn't know this was Jesse Ventura at the time. And I was like, I think this is Jesse Ventura, but let me just double check. And I did. And it was. Yeah, maybe and that's, that why, maybe that's why I claimed it was Minnesota, because this is, of course, is uh, a former WWE wrestler. He was yes. an actor in his own right, starring in Predator and for one point in time was governor of Minnesota. Yeah, and he also is just, like, the perfect person to play this. It's, like, very much so that, like, big hulking dude. Yeah, like, the big brute, but he's also a bit of a smooth talker as well, right? Like, he is a stereotypical <laughs> very weird man in black. Voice, yeah. He steps out, doesn't even say hello, just says, no other object has been misidentified as a flying saucer than the planet Venus. It also works for him as well, because, like, he can essentially yeah. bark things these things out completely monotone. Yeah, it's perfect. And so he says that, and he basically is like, don't tell anybody, like, what happened to you. But we get a weird aside here where... Uh, Jose Chung and Scully talk about like the history of the man in black in folklore. Yeah, and that like um, the men in black are always considered like um, they're they're found throughout for- folklore, like um, like plague doctors and stuff like that, like uh, scary things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that basically like there have always been these trying myth- to hide things. Yeah, these mythical yeah. men that work to obscure the truth. Uh, in this case, I mean, we're going to get the other cameo much later, but this guy basically steps out and says, 
Like, what you're do? You are, uh, you are wrong in thinking what you did. It was no more than the planet Venus. Yeah, exactly. But he, this is basically Rocky retelling to Mulder what happened to him that right. night. Right. So then we actually see it where the Yeti, Lord Kimbote, Kimbote, I think. Yeah, Kimbote. And approaches Rocky and speaks oh, in like Kimboat. Kimboat, that's what it is, Lord Kimboat, and speaks in biblical language, right? He's like, uh, yes. thou art then my new uh you know, my new savior. Please come with me. You are responsible for saving mankind. And so Jose Chung basically they flash back at some point during this where um Scully and him are he's like, Oh, I read that. She's like, How'd you get a hold of it? She's like, Oh, well, my publisher got a copy of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, in the, she, he's like, I'm not sure what's more scary about it, the story or that it's written in screenplay format. Yeah, because basically what he goes on to say is that Lin, uh, Lord Kinboat, like, took them, took them to the center of the Earth. Yeah, not to space, but that he's an alien from the center of the Earth. Yeah, exactly, which is where his planet is. And he has a great mission for him. And I also like how, uh, you know, Scully and Chung broach the subject very differently. Like, uh, Scully's very diplomatic by being like, oh, he's a fantasy-prone personality. And Chung just goes, he's a nut! He's a nut! (laughs) So now we find out that Chrissy undergoes hypnosis again, Mm -hmm. because now they're like, okay, maybe there is some legitimacy to this, despite the fact that... she undergoes hypnosis again, because Mulder believes there's some legitimacy to Rocky's story. Exactly. Like, oh, maybe there's something, like, there's corroborating evidence now, right? Like, three people have the same story. There must be some truth there. Yeah, something we're missing. But things get even more confusing as now Chrissy basically has, like, the same memory, like, the script is the same, but the characters are all different. Yes. Now, she's in a room full of men with suits, where who are hypnotizing her? So it's again, it's inception. yeah, they're brainwashing her into feeling. So it's basically yeah, it's like the memory on top of another memory. Yeah, it's hypnotism within hypnotism, and the cinematography even shows this by like squeezing mm-hmm. the picture and fish eyeing it a little bit to make it seem like this is not completely normal. Yeah, but it's all it's probably even the same actors and the same voices because yeah. it's like all monotone, all like you know this sort of like, and then they say wipe her clean, right? And then that's when she uses the exact same language, right? Like then they stole them, they stole my memories. Yeah, exactly. So now this just completely confounds the plot further. And Scully's like, this is nonsense. Well, this is also what we've experienced before, right? Of like, oh, is this aliens or is this the government? Is this a cooperation between the two? You you know, mm-hmm. the government staging alien stuff. Yeah, and then Chung Talk brings it up about this other guy. Blaine, I think. Blaine, yeah. Which I think is, I don't know, I don't think this is a reference to it. I like to believe that it's a reference to uh, Waiting for Guffman, because uh, the town was called Blaine, Indiana. I remember they, had, oh, like, they I got didn't visited by a Martian. Yeah, I didn't even think about his name being anything. But Blaine, Blaine is looking to greener pastures, right? Like, he yes. hates humanity. He doesn't want, he doesn't care about finding a job. He but always he's wants a to be abducted. He's a witness to this thing. Yeah, which is why well, no, he's, Chung- a, he's a witness because he found he supposedly found a dead alien. <laughs> right. Yeah. So Jose Chung is like interviewing him in his bedroom. Yeah. And we get oh, it's so much fun because basically like, uh, you know, he's Blaine's going to describe like, oh, I found this in the alley. And then these two people approached me like, a you know, a brainy beauty and a mandroid and a mandroid. He basically and he said, oh, he says about Scully that her hair um, was red, but almost too red. Exactly. Like, like basically really, insinuating they were like fake. <laughs> but it's really fun to describe our, you know, main two characters about this. And we get the hardest I've laughed at something in quite some time yes. where Mulder <laughs> approaches the body. David, the company just walks up to it completely straight face and then goes, ah! 
Yeah, it's so funny. It made me laugh. You had so, to rewatch it. It made me laugh so hard just to have David Duchovny yipe out of nowhere. Yeah, he came, he claims that Dave, he, uh, Mulder was emotionless, but shrieked when he saw the body. <laughs> exactly, but in this guy's memory as well, like Scully's a super bad cop. But right? I think he was trying to insinuate that he was a that Scully was a man dressed as a woman. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, that like he claims that like that. Um, He's basically like say they're they're in disguise like they're men in black they're covert right so Scully essentially like you know grabs him and by she the little, threatens him. Yeah, by the lapels is like you say anything about this like I'll kill you yeah so they take the alien uh, they're gonna go do an autopsy on the alien yeah that they found so and and Blaine's here for this as well right what He's, did wait when does Blaine say my favorite line about Dungeons and Dragons oh not yet not yet not, not yet um so because Blaine's gonna like walk into the autopsy. Where they're they're doing an alien autopsy and he's holding a camera and here Angela I mean it's a Darren Morgan episode we get a callback mm-hmm. to Clyde Bruckman's final repose the stupendous yeah. yappy's back the stupendous yappy's back so Spencer pointed out this uh, and we're gonna get another callback to to Clyde Bruckman as well with the uh, the whole pie mm-hmm. thing but you know uh, it's it's interesting that Yappy is only is gonna like uh, appear here and I guess he also said that uh, Chrissy's hypnotist is played by the same guy who played the male fortune teller victim. Mm, yes, he is. I, re- I, re- I like recognized him, but I re- forgot I recognized him from the exiles. Maybe he was like, maybe he has a twin or something. Yeah. And he just both went and went into the, the paranormal. But as they do the autopsy, of course, the footage that Blaine gets is going to be manipulated by, by Yappy yeah. to be like, Ooh, what's this mysterious alien abduction? Uh, but it turns out that, According to them, it wasn't an alien abduction. This is a guy in a yeah. costume. My fa- my favorite part is when she's doing the autopsy. She's being so serious. She's doing her job so well. And she's like, and uh, on the center here, we find a metal strip. And she just pauses for so long. And she's like, it's a zipper. Oh, <laughs> like- I love it. It's so deadpan of like oh my god after She's all like are this, you kidding me i mean i guess it's a super realistic looking outfit if they were able to if they were yeah. able to figure out that it well, would cost we're, we're supposed that to believe it's military grade so exactly so now i do love- like when we pan back to her and um jose chung and they're like and she's like, oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed. Yeah, but I also love yeah because they watch the autopsy yeah, video. Yeah, and he's like, oh, that's you. <laughs> I also love that Blaine, upon only upon finding out that the dead body yes. was human, pukes. He goes, it's just a dead human? <laughs> <laughs> the way he says that is so, it's just a dead human body? Like, oh, God, oh, well, this is a dead end. Yeah. But the dead guy was supposedly an uh, Air Force major. Right. And so now, right Who on... Who had been missing. Right AWOL. on cue, the Air Force is going to, like, storm... The uh, almost in like a comical way, yeah, like right on time. They're going to storm the facility, and Bud Mulder's going to trick them for a second by basically allowing them to give away the name of the, the pilot that he was with that is currently missing. Yeah, so basically there are two pilots that are supposedly missing, and he says, well, what about the other pilot? And they go, oh, Lieutenant Jack Schaefer. And he goes, oh, no, he's not here. Yeah, like, oh, oh, sorry. Tricked Exactly. Like, Ooh, gotcha. Uh, but then, according to Blaine, then, in that moment... Jesse Ventura, like, busts in. Yes. Oh, no, they bust into his room. They bust into his and room. And Jesse Ventura picks him up and, like, cracks his back over his knee in a yeah. wrestling move. It is absolutely bananas. Yeah, and throws him on the ground, and he passes out. Yeah, and then Mulder comes around, and yes. then says, like, and then he takes his turn at threatening him, like, you leak this information and I'll kill you. And then this is where we get your favorite line, Angela. I yeah. didn't spend all those years playing Dungeons and Dragons and not learn a little something about courage. <laughs> it just tickles me. I just think it's so funny. I didn't spend all those years playing Dungeons and Dragons and not learn a little something about courage. I mean, yeah, he's, he's got, uh, listen, I don't know if his intelligence and wisdom is really up to snuff 
Uh, but maybe, he believes in himself. He does believe in himself. He's got charisma out the wazoo. Yeah. But after supposedly threatening Blaine, Mulder's just going to be driving down the street. And now I believe this is Mulder's story. Yeah, so there's two versions of events. Jose Chung, because he talked to the diner guy, and Mulder's right, version. Right, so Mulder's version is that he's going to run into this guy. What's his name? Jack? Jack, Jack Schaefer. Jack Schaefer. Uh, and he's going to find him walking naked down the road. Yes. And he's going to be saying, it's not happening, it's not happening, which now yeah. starts to be like, okay, could this have been the other quote-unquote alien that Harold well, was talking I about? Well, I think we are supposed to think that it is because in the beginning when he, when Lord Kimboat comes down, he goes, it's Jack who's talking. Right, he says like, oh, Jack, like, I, you know, we're, we're in for some trouble right now, Jack. Yeah. Uh, so they're going to go to a diner. Really fun call out here to Close Encounters of the mm-hmm. Third Kind. I don't know if you noticed that Jack is like playing with his mashed potatoes. Yeah, I loved it. It was perfect. <laughs> so according to Jack... He and this other guy were hired by the military as pilots, as pilots to dress up like aliens, fly a flying saucer looking type of craft to abduct people, not in an extraterrestrial sense, but in a military sense yeah. to like take them back to a base and undergo tests on them. Yeah. And then and he's not talking physical tests, psychological testing. Exactly. But in this instance. Jack believes he was actually abducted. Yes. And so, (laughs) and my favorite part is when he's like, what about the third alien? And he Uh, goes, oh, oh, Lord Kimboat. Yeah, he says, oh, Lord Kimboat. (laughs) On a first name basis. Oh, you mean Lord (laughs) Kimboat? But Jack, according to Mulder, was super paranoid, right? He's like, I don't even know if you're real right now. Like if he undergone the hypnotism, if he underwent psychological tests as well, he is starting to not believe in the fabric of his own reality. Yeah, he believes everything is a hallucination. But we also might not believe in this reality because Jose Chung reveals <laughs> the story from the cook at the diner, which, which is that apparently Mulder was alone the entire time and ate an entire pie by himself. Yeah, each with each slice of pie asking the diner owner another question. Exactly. Uh, so we we're, let's get back to some pie questions here yes. from Spencer. He says, is there a type of regular size pie that you like or crave so much that you can easily eat the whole thing in a single sitting? Any kind of fruit pie. Yeah, we Apple pie, blueberry pie, cherry pie, peach I could, pie. I could eh, peach probably pie. do pumpkin pie. I know I'm See, not, I'm I'm not, not, partic- I'm not particularly fan. big on pies, but I feel like the crust is also so Ugh, like less. Crust than, I feel like is the, the crust, best part. But it would probably fill you up more than I you wouldn't be able to eat the care. whole pie. I don't care. I could eat the whole pie. Honestly, apple pie, and there's one that we get from a local farm mm-hmm. at Thanksgiving called Jones Farm in Cornwall. Shout out to Jones Farm in Cornwall. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that um, is so good, I could eat the whole G-Dan pie. Now, would you do that, though, while having to ask a question after every slice? That would be helpful because I'd be able to digest it. But I also love this continue, continues to go with, like, the mandroid aspects of Mulder. Yes, that right? he's, and, like, like, very, like, a t- like a, like um, an automaton. An automaton, like, very, like, monotone in his delivery. Yeah, like, very... eats a slice, asks a question, yeah. eats a slice, like, asks a question. Like, he's supposed to. Like, he was programmed to do that. But I love how Chung's reaction to that, like, Scully's so matter-of-fact in response, and Jose Chung puts it as... You seem non nonplussed. Yeah, you seem non nonplussed by that. And she's like, "Well, I, but yeah. I, love, I love that turn of phrase. Like, yeah. uh, it's it's double negative, so it's plus. But I don't think anyone ever says you seem very plussed." Anyway, basically, he returns. Apparently, returns to the hotel room, and Scully like doesn't remember seeing the Men in Black. Mm-hmm. She's been brainwashed. Well, because according to Mulder, the Men in Black come here, and, and Mulder and Ventura have this sort of like rat-a-tat dialogue mm-hmm. back and forth, which would make sense from Mulder's perspective that like. He was the big hero who stood up to the men in black. Yes. But they they like get they find out 
that the other man in black is a- Alex Trebek. Yeah. <laughs> Alex Trebek actually playing Alex Trebek. Yeah. What the hell? I don't know why. Like, I don't know what the reasoning behind it was. Yeah, like, it's did, funny. was Mulder made to believe that, like, oh, this means Alex Trebek is in on it? Was it more so that the guy looked like Alex Trebek? That's what it's supposed to mean. It's that I looked like Alex Trebek, and they cast Alex Trebek to play somebody that looks like him. For one line, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I, mean, I imagine he just knows I mean, it makes sense, though, somebody, to have but... Alex Trebek cameo. This series, this series is all about questions, and Alex Trebek is notable for making people phrase their answer in the form of a question. Yeah, was that on Fox? Uh, no, it was on ABC. Yeah, which is weird, but it's fine. It's just for the sillies. It's, it really is absolutely silly. And I love it. To have Jesse Ventura and Alex Trebek, I never thought they'd ever be in the same room, let alone, like, repping the same organization. Right, and Jesse Ventura, I guess, is, like, more of an actor, like, could have been cast, whereas, like, Alex Trebek is, like, clearly just was asked to do this. It is interesting, right, because they talked about how Peter Boyle, they were nervous about casting someone who had some, some repute yes. uh, in Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose. But after that success, I think Darren Morgan's like, what the hell? Come on, Jesse Ventura. Come well, on, Alex Trebek. Well, and especially for something like this, where it's like, they're not really playing character. They're playing caricatures, you know? Yeah. It's like, it, I think with Clyde Bruckman, it's a little different because you're supposed to really, like, relate to him in a way and, and understand his story and be a little bit more, um, like, like in it. Whereas here, it's just, like, funny. <laughs> yeah, but what also confuses the story besides the Alex Trebek cameo is, like you said, Scully doesn't remember any of this. All she said is she woke up in her room mm-hmm. and Mulder was there. Yeah, exactly. And that's like sort of like leading Mulder to believe she was hypnotized. And then what also doesn't help things is they get a call. They found the belief in UFO. It, <laughs> and this is, again, going back to like Fallen Angel, yes. right? This is, seems to be a crashed experimental plane. And they see two guys being carted off which were the two Air Force guys. Yeah, one of the ones they did an autopsy on, the other which disappeared in the hospital, and the other is Jack Schaefer. Yeah, so and that's where like the story ends, and Scully even puts it saying, I know that's not the sense of closure that you want, <laughs> yeah. but it's more than some of our other cases. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, I guess, you know, Jose Chung's like, all right. <laughs> so what what do you think the true story is? I don't know. I mean, it was probably just like... Um, like nonsense you know it's like sometimes they do these x-files and they go to these places Mm -hmm. and they like get to the end of the story and it ends up just being that like you know somebody was murdered and everyone just has such a different story that there's no way to know the truth yeah it could be a thing as well that look i'll go back to the water because that seems to be the case in season three like could there have been something where everyone like there was fumes or something yeah, that everyone yeah. ingested and as a result like they all have different memories of right. this of this thing that is far from the truth. It's like a shared hallucination almost. Exactly. That's and I think that's more likely than it or it's something where the Air Force was in play. They were doing experimental things, but it like they weren't abducting people, you know, like maybe something yeah. like that. So Mulder in his final scene here is going to go visit Jose Chung and basically is ple- like begging him pleading with him not to write the book, basically saying, like, this is going to discredit, you know, this this whole alien abduction thing that I've been basing my my life off of. Plus, he also then completely, uh, I think, invalidates himself by theorizing that this is all part of the, quote, military-industrial-entertainment complex. Yes. <laughs> and our military-industrial-entertainment sounds like a sound system it you does. install at a military like base a or something. Um, but yeah, basically, like, Jose Chung is like, absolutely not. I'm publishing this. Yeah, because like, again, he sees dollar science in his eyes, and so he produces his book, 
from outer space. And the final scene here is sort of like a yeah, like a where, montage. Yeah, like a where are they now? Where uh, Rocky when Rocky's a cold founder. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he believes that he received a lot of teachings from Lim- Lord Kimboat. Yeah, and that now he's, he's gonna a, pass them along. Imparting that maybe Rocky should be spelled with a Q uh, in that regard. Blaine <laughs> yeah. took his spot, right? He's now an electrical worker, but he is also yes. using this for like ulterior motives. Yeah, because he points his flashlight up at the sky. Yeah, like, like ah. he's clearly trying to be like, okay, if, if the aliens came down for this electrical mer- worker, maybe they'll do it for me. Uh, and then we find out the the pseudonyms that uh, Jose Chung gave Mulder and Scully, right? Scully is uh, I- Agent Diana Lesky, mm-hmm. who is pure of heart, but still a federal agent. Mm-hmm. So she's, she Hard. can't exactly be uh, emotionally invested. And then Renard Muldrake, Renard is, Muldrake is, quote, a ticking time bomb of insanity. Which is like the best way to describe Mulder. And he says, like, he receives no pleasures from life due to his psychotic nature. And <laughs> yeah. all it cuts is, like, Mulder shirtless sitting in bed mindlessly watching a Bigfoot video. <laughs> yeah, which is, like, very Mulder. <laughs> and I love it. I just, I love how much they dig into Mulder in this episode, just saying how, like, borderline psychotic he is as a concept. Yeah. And Harold is still in love with Chrissy, but Chrissy has dedicated her life to saving the planet. Right. This was sort of like an eye opening experience for her even yeah. though again she doesn't exactly know what happened of like okay i do need to make the world a better place right so she's and, invested herself into yeah. philanthropy and also jose chung um still doesn't know if aliens exist he says yeah but in a way on this planet we are all alone <laughs> yeah which is kind of like a dark ending for such a funny episode i want to finish with a com with a comment from spencer here he says as fun as copperphages and jose chung have been in poking fun uh at war of the worlds and close encounters of the third time these two episodes still have their detractors, despite being chock full of laughs and cultural shoutouts. They are indeed incredibly memorable for the aforementioned reasons, and like Clyde Bruckman, these two episodes can be shown to a casual person who knows next to nothing about the show. However, some criticize that these two episodes add very little to the alien mythology storyline, in spite of their related subject matter, plus Mulder and Scully lead way too much into their stereotypical behaviors, whereas they displayed more nuance and actually flipped sides to a degree during Clyde Bruckman. This is why, for me, Clyde Bruckman is on the show's Mount Rushmore, but these two episodes are not. These episodes are still outstanding in their own right, but Darren Morgan set a really high bar with Clyde Bruckman, and unfortunately I will always compare these two Morgan Penn episodes to that Emmy Award-winning masterpiece. They just fall short. So yeah, let's memorialize Darren Morgan here. How do you feel about what Spencer said comparing this to what we talked about before? I don't like to compare them because I think that they're all just so different. So I think that even War of the Carpages and and Jose Chung are different in and of themselves. Like one is more of like a, a lark on the behavior of Scully and Mulder and like the mm-hmm. town and all of that. Whereas Jose Chung from outer space is a little bit more like a, uh, like a, a, like a, like you're looking at it through a lens of something, you know? So, mm-hmm. and Clyde Brockman, of course, is just different. It's yeah. meant, like we were just saying with, with Peter Boyle, you know, it's, you're meant to have an emotional attachment to it. You know, while it's still funny and there's like components of it that are like really well thought out humor, I think that there's that emotional undertone that just makes it different. So I wouldn't, yeah, I also wouldn't put, if there was a Mount Rushmore, I probably wouldn't put these two on it, but mm-hmm. I find them to be just like really good examples of how light, x-files can be when yeah if you had if i had asked you when we first started this do you think the x-files is funny i would say no you would say no and i think that it's yeah and that it's sci-fi and that it's scary or it's a thriller you know whatever so i think that it's just they exist for the reason of that this can be lighthearted and yes it doesn't do much for the mythology arc but there's so many episodes that deal with that that i like a break (laughs) i'll also push against the idea that in particular jose chunks from outer space would be a good episode to show 
a casual fan or someone who hasn't seen the show before. Because I feel like a reason why it works so well is when you know who the Mulder and Scully exactly. are. Exactly. Yeah. The fact that they are so drawn out and overdrawn, as mm-hmm. you said. It's a huge aspect plays of so it. so well when you know who these people actually are and you care about them. As opposed to, like, if you've seen one or two episodes, you'd be like, oh, that's funny that Mulder shrieks. But when you know the way David Duchovny acts, having him scream makes it that much better. Yeah, and when you know the way that, like, that Gillian Anderson is not going to to threaten somebody as Scully like it's just not gonna happen so you know that like him telling you that is like false so it makes it funny but these were so much fun I, I, they were both sort of like taking a crack at the idea of unreliable narrators yes. right? of, like <laughs> when people don't know what they're doing fiction can be stranger mm-hmm. than truth and yeah. I'm immensely getting to dread like you said we're, we, this show uh, tends to submerge itself in darkness but yes. hopefully we were able to find a light to not get ourselves sucked into the shadow exactly. uh, Tony Shalhoub style um spook of the week oh yeah spook of the week so we've got we've got a lot of choices here let's let's go yeah. back to war of the uh, the coprophages do you have one from there i think dr ivanoff um is my spook of the week i'm gonna go with i guess his love interest in bambi she's not that spooky <laughs> she's she's just weird she's weird she's very weird like just how and the way she talks to is a little odd yeah again she's it's a little like stereotypical like, but in almost mm, in a different direction of mm-hmm. like bucks and beauty who loves bugs yes exactly what about jose chung um i guess jose chung jose chung's a good one i'm gonna or go, blaine no i'm gonna go with rocky rocky uh lord kimbo there's yeah, too many no, i can't no, choose you know what i'm picking lord kimbo that's what it is the stop motion claymation alien who so led spooky. to the founding of a cult like it has to be lord kimbo and yeah if you're listening lord kimbo please take us to your, your no i don't want to go i want to visit that sanctum i want to see no, what it's I like in the center I'm of the too earth claustrophobic Ah, what if it's like a wide open space in there? No, it's not. It's well, lava. I don't know if you believe they're in the like, lava men. If you believe in like the it's too hot. if you believe in comic lore, there's like an entire nation that exists beneath the earth. I don't. All right. Well, <laughs> you gotta believe in something. I want to believe. Okay. Well, next week we. You know what? We've taken a dip into the comical waters. It's time to get back to the serious stuff. And we're taking a trip a little bit back in in chronology. Uh, we're going to do a two episode arc in season three. Season three, episode fifteen, Piper Maru. Season 3, episode 16, Apocrypha. What are we to expect from these, Angela? Um, arc episodes, very mm-hmm. much so. Back into the aliens. Um, I believe the Piper Maru one, you'll, both of them, you'll like them. They're just, they're, it's a, it's all back into the mythology. Yeah, I do wonder how we go in terms of mythology from where we left things with Nisei in 731 of like this ridiculous outing that proves that, you know, Scully's abduction and many of these abductions were actually government experiments. Uh, yeah, so it's along the same lines, except I think that, and someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that Piper Maru is dealing with um, more along the lines of the virus side of things. Oh, right. I heard something about, like, there's, like, an alien autopsy that's done with a virus or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> the timeliness continues as we're talking viruses here next week on the Bloom Files. Of course, if you have any thoughts about those two episodes or the two episodes we talked about, you can always email us bloomfiles at postshowrecaps.com or xfiles at postshowrecaps.com. You can contact us on social media. I am at a Mike Bloom type. Angela is at Ange Palagi. And of course, we are at Post Show Recaps. And let us know your thoughts after this. Uh, spoiler alert, we're going to be going to the season three finale and season four premiere. So we really only have one full week left in season three. Yeah. And don't hate me if I didn't choose your episodes. Don't hate, appreciate, or we're going to write you into a book. Exactly. And where you eat too much pie. 
I would love to eat too much pie right now. In fact, let's go get pie. Let's go get pie. That's going to do it for this week on The Bloom Files. Thank you all so much for listening. We're going to be back next week with Season 3, Episodes 15 and 16, Piper Maru and Apocrypha. Until then, case closed. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus.